Hey guys, thanks for joining me for another video. It is Clay, and today I'm gonna to do another personality comparison video. So a couple months ago I did INFP versus INFJ, and I had a few requests to do one with INTJs and INFJs. So if you don't know what's going on here, these are personalities as defined by Jungian Psychology and Myers-Briggs. In my observation, it seems like the two personalities that get confused the most with regards to INFJs are the INFPs and the INFJs. Uh, I think there's a lot of INFPs in particular that think they're INFJs, and there's probably INFJs that think they're INFPs. INTJs and INFJs aren't really like that in my opinion. I think there's bigger differences between these two types. So it appears quite similar, just one letter different, an F or a T, both INJs. But if you look at the underlying cognitive functions of the two types, there is some pretty stark differences going on. So I'm gonna dive into that today. So if you actually look at the cognitive functions of these two personalities, INFJs, INTJs, they share the same dominant function, introverted intuition. And they also share the same fourth function, which is the extroverted sensing. It's the second and third functions that are different. So let's have a look at the dominant function in both these types and the main similarities between these types. In a lot of ways, INFJs and INTJs, the way they approach the world is going to be very similar. So, you know, some people have said that there's more in common between these two types than there is different. So what is introverted intuition? Introverted intuition is a perceiving function, which is it's a way that people gather information. So both these types, there's only actually two personalities that have dominant introverted intuition, and it's both these types. I find that introverted intuition appears quite mysterious to a lot of other people because it's, it's internal to the person. This information comes in, and then along with the other functions, it's like this information gets massaged into conclusions. Introverted intuition is very goal-orientated. And in INFJs and INTJs, this is definitely the case. If you ask either of those personalities about their goals, they're usually gonna have this sort of loose abstraction of what they're trying to accomplish. And they're, they're pushing hard towards those things. The specifics of that is, is something that's kind of interesting because you would assume that if somebody has a really specific goal, they're gonna have a really you know, tight plan on how to get there. And that's not always the case, I find, with introverted intuition. The, that loose abstraction of a goal and a plan might be there, and it's something that they're working towards and trying to achieve, but all the specific details might not be clearly defined. Uh, you know, like other personalities might create these very rigid schedules and um, strict rules to follow in order to achieve their goals. INTJs and INFJs aren't really like that. And once an INFJ or INTJ starts working towards their goal, there's almost really nothing that can stop them at that point. They're, they're, they're laser focused, they're working on that, that goal. And if you're in a relationship with an INFJ or INTJ, it's smart to realize that and let them work towards those goals. And if you try to hassle them or shame them about those goals, that's really not going to end up well for you. I think this whole introverted intuition kind of gives this mysterious air to both these types. You can tell there's a lot going on in that person's head, and sometimes it can be hard to really, you know, figure that out. So the second function in the stack is where the big differences start to pop up between these two types. And once you kind of figure out what these differences are in these, in these functions, it can be quite easy to spot an INTJ versus an INFJ. So in the INFJ, you've got extroverted feeling, or FE. In the INTJ, you have extroverted thinking. So both feeling and thinking are judging functions. What are judging functions? Judging functions are 
functions that you use to make decisions. So the INFJ will use their extroverted feeling to help in the decision-making process. In contrast, INTJs will use extroverted thinking as sort of their primary means of decision-making. So what does extroverted feeling look like when it's your sort of main decision-making process? That's going to really come out as social harmony. INFJ will look at other people's needs, wants, desires, hopefully look at their own wants, needs, and desires as well. Introverted intuition is very wanty, so they're going to be aware of what they want as well. But with that extroverted feeling sit in the second spot, they're going to make their decisions based on other people's emotional states, feelings, wants, needs, desires. So to INFJs, like the morale of the group is very important. The general vibe of the room is very important. Making people feel valued and heard is important as well. Um, there's a lot of things that INFJs do to kind of try to encourage this sort of open state, open communication. And of course, you can dive more into that if you go back in my videos, you can see that I'm almost obsessed with a lot of these topics, how to create better relationships, how to encourage openness. On the other hand though, INTJs, they're not gonna use that to make their decisions. Not, not at all. They're going to use extroverted thinking. So what is extroverted thinking? Extroverted thinking is a very external thinking process. They're extroverting their thinking. So that means they're really gonna care about other people's thoughts. So how does that manifest? Things like studies. So a group of experts here have all collected their thoughts into this study. That's like food for the soul for the INTJ. So facts, data, external information that's vetted and verified is really important to an INTJ. So when INTJ is trying to make a decision, they're gonna almost look exclusively at the facts, the data, and they're gonna make this extremely rational decision based on this. And the needs of the group, the social harmony. Um, you know, although I'm sure they can almost force themselves to consider that now and then, or they can learn to consider that, I think their, their default state is it doesn't even really occur to them. It's sort of like, okay, we're in a situation here. What needs to be done? We need to make a decision and move forward. You know, how Sarah feels about the decision or the data or the facts, I think it literally just doesn't matter. Like it's, it's sort of irrelevant this is what needs to be done based on this data. So I think this is where INTJs end up with their kind of robotic stereotype. They can almost seem disrespectful to people's feelings. They can almost seem like maybe they don't have feelings. So that's the stereotype, right? Like INTJ robots. And of course, they do have emotions, they have feelings, but as we'll see in the third cognitive function, that is dealt with in a very specific way. The top two functions, there's no feeling involved. So they, you know, they perceive information through their in introvert intuition, and then they use data, facts, and rationale to really form their decisions. So I've been sort of attracted to INTJs in my life. And I was trying to, you know, I've been trying to think about why. And I think one of the things that I, I most like about them is this sort of cold, hard rationale. If you ask them for their opinion on a topic and they have all the information or you give them the information, it's almost like they will, like, let's say there's some emotional stuff kind of intertwined with that data and facts. It's like they will strip out the emotion, 
they will put it aside completely, almost just put it in a box over there for later. And they will basically use that to give you some advice of some kind. But I always find that the advice is so rational and me as an INFJ, I'm often clouded by that extroverted feeling, I feel like. So I've done all kinds of videos about this, this people-pleasing tendency that I have had and a lot of INFJs fall into. You sort of end up sacrificing your own needs or your own wants in order to make other people happy. That would be like extreme people-pleasing. And so sometimes in the past, I have been like, well, Am I, am I seeing this clearly? Am I really doing the right thing here? If you want to know the answer to that question, all you have to do is ask an INTJ because they will literally discard all those emotional reasons and just look at the data. So what else about extroverted thinking here? Efficiency is really important. So INTJs don't like to take the long way or take the scenic way. You know, if you're going on a road trip with them, they're not going to want to take the scenic way. What's the fastest way we can get from point A to point B or not fastest, but really most efficient? So because INTJs are very focused on this external thinking, facts, data, people's you know, factual opinions, these types of things, um, credentials are very important to somebody that is high in TE. So the status of somebody is important. Credentials are important. So as a result, they look at themselves in the same way. Their own credentials matter. Their own status matters. So you'll notice that INTJs will be the ones that are always sort of dropping people's credentials. They're like, well, so-and-so who has a PhD in X, Y, and Z said blah, blah, blah. They're very careful to always sort of cite their sources that way. And then as a result, if they're giving their own opinions and facts, you know, like I think a classic INTJ, even though I don't know if he's ever admitted it, is Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you've listened to Tim Ferriss' podcast. But... He is, if you listen to his podcast, you will hear this constantly. It's like, this person who is the head of John Hopkins said this. Or this person who started a billion dollar company and therefore has their credentials to say whatever he's going to say said this. And I've noticed with INTJs that they're almost, they're cautious to give their own opinions unless they have those credentials to back it up. So I went and watched a bunch of INTJ videos before I made this video because I wanted to actually hear from the INTJs. So one INTJ that I kind of like listening to is Asora Psych. Go check out his channel. But if you actually look in the background of his videos, maybe I'll put a, a screenshot here, you'll see he's got his degree on the wall. Hello everyone, welcome to Asura Psych. And today I want to talk about psychopathology and the diagnostic criteria for mental disorders and how mental disorders are classified. So I'm taking a graduate level psychopathology course right now and in the first week of class we discussed the idea of categories of mental disorders versus spectrums of mental disorders and how the idea of diagnosis is moving away from categories and towards spectrums and what that means for mental health and mental disorders. That's like a classic INTJ thing. It's like, I have a psychology degree and they kind of want you to know it. Not, not for like braggy reasons, but more as because credentials actually matter to them. It's like, I have a psychology degree, therefore I'm allowed to talk about psychology. And so on the flip side, INFJs, I'm not sure that we care about credentials in the same way. Like, so I was actually going through my storage recently and I found my degree and it's this framed degree. And I don't even think I had taken it out of the box since I graduated. Like I literally got this thing and then I took it and I put it in a box. I never showed it to anybody ever again. So right off the bat, INFJs care a lot about social harmony. So they will immediately appear warmer. They won't have that same 
robotic stereotype that INTJs have. INFJs are idealists, so they're in the idealist column along with ENFJs, ENFPs, INFJs, and INFPs. So all four of those personalities, they're concerned about people. They're concerned about the well-being of people. INFJs can get extremely bothered by injustices. It's almost like the INFJ wants to like take up this cause to defend this group, this person. So INTJs, on the other hand, will look drastically different from INFJs. So because of that extroverted thinking, instead of the extroverted feeling, they're, they're gonna make all their decisions based on facts and data. They don't care about the kind of group dynamics. They don't care about people's emotions and emotional opinions. Like let's say somebody is a, sort of emotionally attached to some existing idea that needs to be tossed out. Both INTJs and INFJs want change. They like to have progress and they wanna to work towards new things. So both personalities want that. That's the introverted intuition. But the INFJ will recognize that in that person and, and try to do that change while being sensitive to that person. The INTJ will look strictly at the facts and, and data and make that change irregardless of their feelings. So, I mean, that's a strength and a weakness. The INFJ will do things more in a diplomatic way, maybe a little more sensitive to the group, but, you know, they might sacrifice the facts and data that are available in a way to achieve a little more social dynamics. The INTJ will throw everybody's emotions out immediately, but they will make a very rational decision instead. So if you talk to an INFJ or an INTJ, you might notice that the, the stuff they like to talk about is quite different. So INFJs, they like personal topics. They like talking about people and behaviors and ideas that affect people and society and culture and all these things. I mean, just look back at my channel at all the things that I just like to talk about. Some of the topics, like some of the relationship topics that I talk about, emotional intelligence and things like that, I just, I really don't know if you would ever see an INTJ talking about those topics. So INTJs will stick to more objective topics, things like current events, um, you know, science, history, politics, things that can, they can really grasp and latch onto with some kind of factual information. So in conclusion there, INFJs will make their decisions and worry about offending people. They don't want to offend people. And INTJs, I almost get the impression with them that they almost seem confused why somebody would be offended. So if they actually throw out a fact, throw out some kind of information that is true, right? They actually view it as, this is true, this isn't an opinion. People will then get offended or be emotional. And I almost get the impression that INTJs are, like they, they don't really know what is going on at that point and, and they're confused by that behavior. Whereas an INFJ might be a little more sensitive and diplomatic to that and sort of try to find out why this person is feeling this. INFJs love extroverting their feeling. They love to hear other people's feelings. So it's like, oh, why are you feeling that way? Tell me about that. Whereas an INTJ, I don't know if I've ever had an INTJ ask me how I'm feeling, ever. I don't think that I've ever had an INTJ openly tell me how they are feeling. So let's move on to the third cognitive function, which we'll get more into that. So now in the third spot, the INFJs have introverted thinking INTJs have introverted feeling. So now in the third spot, we've kind of flipped. So INTJs are the T, right? And the INFJs are the F for feeling. 
But now when we're talking about the third spot, this is where the INFJs do their thinking and the INTJs do their feeling. So for example, INFJs have introverted thinking in their third spot. So the third spot is an interesting spot because some people call it the child position. And it's sort of where you're, you use this function in like a, almost like a pure childlike way. So INFJs have introverted thinking. If they choose to develop their introverted thinking, it will come out in a very sort of childlike logic. They would look at things very logically. And this is why INFJs, if they actually work on this, can become very logical. So introverted thinking is more logical and extroverted thinking is more facts and data and collecting of these things and using rationale to kind of put these things together. So at its purest sense, I personally feel that INFJs have the potential to actually be more logical than INTJs if they so choose to work on that. And that's because they have introverted thinking. INTJs don't actually have introverted thinking in their top four functions. They've got this extroverted thinking. So in contrast, INTJs have introverted feeling in that spot. So introverted feeling is something that is interesting to me because, it, because of how almost foreign it feels sometimes. It's like all of your feeling is internal to you. You introvert your feeling. It's something that you would hide from other people. It's not something that you are often naturally open about. Introverted feelers often have very strong values. So they know what their values are. They keep them sort of inside. And especially people who are dominant introverted feeling like an INFP, it's, it's like everything that comes in is immediately compared to their values. Does this match my values? If so, then okay, adopt that. Um, if it doesn't, it's like, get out of here. I, I don't want that thing. And they might even be, they're very unapologetic. As things come in, if something doesn't match their values, like with an INFP, you will immediately know. So an INTJ, they have this feeling, introverted feeling, sitting in the third spot. So they're going to have these values that are kind of deep inside of them. They're going to have emotions, but they're quite private. Um, the introverted feelers don't care as much about other people's feelings. They're more concerned about their own. However, the thing about when a cognitive function is sitting in a third spot is if that person sort of chooses to ignore it and, and they start to favor their top two functions, it's sort of like that thing can be kind of pushed aside and ignored. So an INTJ really wants to use their intuition and their extroverted thinking to make their decisions. And I think a healthy INTJ will then go down one level deeper and use their values, their personal feelings. They're not going to repress those things indefinitely. They will, they will understand their feelings. And, and so I think if you go back to my video about emotional intelligence, one of the three criteria for being emotionally intelligent is understanding yourself, having the self-reflection to look at yourself and understand your feelings. I think it's possible that INTJs get a, they get a bad rap for being these emotional black holes. It's sort of like emotions go in and they're never, they're never seen or heard from again. Through a little bit of research, I think I figured out really what's going on with INTJs. Um, because I think it's, here's INFJs. So INFJs and INTJs, I think why they get along so well is because INFJs really enjoy that 
sort of almost cold clinical rationale that INTJs can pull out sometimes. And it, it helps us INFJs see things clearly and sort of get rid of that emotional component sometimes, especially if we're being kind of ruled by it in some way. INTJs will just cut through all that and just give you this conclusion. And sometimes it can be so refreshing because it's honest. It's, it's not really like beating around the bush. However, where I have really traditionally struggled with INTJs is that they just don't seem to open up at all. Okay, so I shouldn't say that at all because I think a healthy INTJ will. And I, I have met one healthy INTJ. And I think that I have this past experience with an unhealthy INTJ. So it was my best friend. We were basically inseparable from the time I was 13 until, you know, well into our 20s when we were going to university and stuff. But they've got their, their feelings locked away. And they really just don't want you inquiring about them. If they want to talk about it, they will talk about it. But if you want to talk about their feelings, it's like they take that as an extreme breach of privacy. And so I've experienced that a few times where I've started to push or dig into an INTJ to find out like what is, like, what is the emotional state here. And I've experienced that kind of INTJ explosion rage when they get fed up with you trying to get their emotions. On the flip side, you know, INFJs, they extrovert their feeling. I think it's very healthy for an INFJ to have discussions about their feelings, not just lock their feelings away. It's like they need to get them out there. I think that's why things like counseling, really good for INFJs. It allows you to extrovert your feelings, put them outside of yourself, sort of for everybody to see. It's sort of more of a public process versus that introverted feeling, which is very private. On the flip side, INFJs have introverted thinking. So in a lot of ways, we might treat our thinking that way. I think especially in younger INFJs that haven't developed their thinking yet, it's almost like they, they keep that thinking sort of locked away and pe people might not see it. And they will instead make their decisions exclusively with the extroverted feeling. I think that's where you have the risk of becoming a people pleaser. You're sort of not using your own thinking, your own logic. And instead, you're just trying to make people happy. Um, but with these introverted functions, I personally feel like it's healthy to not just lock them away. So it's something that I've done on these videos a lot. I have really done my best to extrovert my thinking. Here is my thought process on this issue. I think it confuses a lot of people, especially people who are looking for signs of the cognitive functions. So every once in a while, I have somebody say, well, it's you're obviously an extroverted thinker because look at your, you're putting your thinking on display for everybody to see. So I've talked about this in past videos, but I think it's really important for everybody to work on their weaknesses and work on the weaknesses hard so that they become strengths and become something that you can actually do. It's easier for me just to think about things logically and use my perceptions, my observations, what I've seen to come to these logical conclusions. It's harder for me to be like, okay, I'm gonna go read some studies on this and find out really what the research says. It's not necessarily hard for me, but I would say it's less natural than just trying to come to logical conclusions on my own. So I'm gonna play a little clip from an INTJ video I found here. Um, her name is Mel Sigrist, hopefully I'm saying that right. And 
I thought this little clip here was just so interesting, what she says. So let, let's listen. We want to find the most effective solution, and we want to evaluate every potential solution from every possible angle so that we can make the best decision. And all those emotional attachments of whether so-and-so's idea, if you know somebody likes it or doesn't like it, or what's been around a long time, or what other people are using, and what the trend is, all of these things are irrelevant to the INTJ because we're just focused on the data and finding the solution. Sally may be sitting in there and she's worked there for 40 years and done something the same way forever and she really likes the way she does things and doesn't want to change and that weighs very heavily on her decision. But I don't care because Sally is not going to be working there 20 years from now, 40 years from now. So whether or not she likes it is irrelevant to finding the best solution. And that's where you see that ability to detach from the emotions as not only a strength, but kind of a superpower. I don't know about you, but as an INFJ, when I listen to that, I feel anxious, actually. So here's this, this girl, Sally, and she has this emotional attachment to some process. And the INTJ is basically, does, it's just irrelevant. I think this highlights a huge difference between INFJs and INTJs. An INFJ will care about Sally and will try to come up with a solution that, you know, moves the process forward, is an efficient process, but also doesn't destroy morale. So in here, she says it's a superpower. And I think it, like I said, I think it actually is the INTJ's greatest strength to be able to separate the emotion from the facts and then act super rational about it. But I think it can also be their greatest weakness. And I think this example highlights that. So if this woman, Sally, well, she's not going to be here in 20 years, so we don't need to worry about her. The reality is, is there is such a thing as teams, morale, you know, the general vibe of a work environment. And to me, and everything that I've learned about leadership, so I run a business and I've had a few, you know, a few different employees now at this point, and I currently have a couple of people working for me right now. The one thing that I've learned is if my employee is satisfied, if they're happy, they have good morale, there's a good vibe, we have a good working relationship, that to me is way more valuable than finding the, the, the most efficient thing that will make the most amount of money. And I feel like this clip, and I don't want to call her out, but I, I'm using it as an example. So here's how I would handle that situation versus how she would handle this situation. She actually sees Sally's feelings and almost like her sentimentality towards, you know, she's been working there for a long time and she feels that, you know, she wants to feel valued. She wants to feel included in the decision-making process. The INTJ might completely disregard that and it could create low morale in a work environment. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line on your financial statements is not everything. If your people that are working for you are unhappy, you, your business is gonna, is gonna suffer. So if for me in that situation, I would try to make Sally feel valued. I would try to make her feel heard. And then I would slowly try to bend the situation around, you know, 
to move in this other direction. And maybe it's a slow process. Maybe we need to slowly introduce these things. Whereas it sounds like to me, INTJs would rather disregard all that. So I think in this particular example, I think there's a lot of human dynamics that are being sort of looked over here. If you picked something else that maybe didn't have that issue and it benefited from just pure rationality, then I think that's where the INTJ, it is, it is a superpower. Because now they're not letting their emotions cloud their decisions. So it's, it's interesting, the, the dynamic of it being a superpower, but also maybe their, their greatest weakness and maybe the potential for why they have some troubles now and then. So I'm gonna play another clip from her here of how an INTJ might process receiving some disturbing news, like in this case, her uncle dying. I'm going to accept the factual data, but detach the emotion and quarantine it. So I'm gonna say thank you for letting me know and accepting that data that Uncle Joe is dead, but all of my feelings, whatever they are, that have been stirred up by this information, I'm setting aside to deal with later. I'm gonna focus on the information and if there are any kind of problems or you know anything logistically that I need to take care of. I may go down a road of asking about you know, all of the aftermath. You know, if I know that Uncle Joe was a widower and he has no children, I could ask questions about his estate and his funeral arrangements and do I need to get on board and do anything and those type of things. Again, the INTJ is probably going to be perceived by whoever is on the other end of that phone call as being completely cold and not having cared about Uncle Joe, which is not true. I have emotions that are attached to my uncle but I am not having emotional outbursts upon hearing the information. I am going to take the raw factual data and I'm going to process that before I process the emotions because I want to quarantine the emotions. I don't want the emotions affecting the way that I initially process the data. So I've actually got another clip I'm going to play here from a source site. So he's, he's the other INTJ that I like listening to. And it's a very similar thing about feelings. So let's listen to that. But the difference between an INTJ and other types when they are needing support from friends or family is that an INTJ will come to you if they need support emotionally. They're not going to be the ones who want you to come to them to support them in their time of need. They will come to you. And this is, again, really important because if you try and force your support onto an INTJ, it's going to halt the healing process for them. They need to have that time to really perceive and deal with the thing that they are feeling. So I've heard something like this from a few different INTJs now. Basically, they want to be able to take their emotions, sort of put them into this place, and they want to process those things on their own, in their own time. And they, they think it's actually a bad thing, you can actually harm the relationship if you offer emotional support to them without them asking for it. So if they come and ask you, hey, I could really, you know, I need some emotional support, or, you know, they might try to maybe talk about their feelings or something like that, then that actually is them opening up to you, which I, I think if an INTJ does that to you, I think that's pretty rare. That's something that actually should be deeply like held in a quite a valuable way. Because if you disrespect that process, they'll just like, I think at the, it's sort of like 
you know, an animal that like pops his head out of the hole, like, like a gopher or something. And then, you know, you move and they're back in the hole. I think it's basically how an INTJ is. If they actually get to the point where they're sharing their feelings with you, you have to like hold that with a lot of respect and be really careful how you handle that. I think the problem that I have with this, it's like, oh, don't go to an INTJ and try to offer emotional support. For me, I have a really hard time really listening to that. And like, let's just say you have a romantic partner and their, their parent just dies. And now, you know, they lock themselves in the room and they're trying to process their own feelings. Let's just say this goes on for years and they never open up, they never talk about it, but you, as an INFJ, you know, you have extroverted feeling, you can feel what's going on. You know that there's problems. You know that there's things that need to be discussed. Or let's say there's a romantic relationship and there's some kind of problem in that relationship. There's some kind of unresolved feelings or conflict in this INTJ that is hindering the relationship. The problem with this advice is it kind of sounds like, well, just let the INTJ be themselves, let them deal with their own feelings, and eventually it'll all be okay. But, but what if it's not okay? It seems apparent that none of the INTJs that I've listened to, they really want you coming with emotional support. So let's say I show up and be like, hey, I can tell that you're hurting right now. Is there anything you want to talk about? If, if I was going through something hard and somebody did that to me, I would see that as what a friend is, should do. But they appear to see this as a bit of an insult or something that's inappropriate. And so because they think it's inappropriate, if you yourself now are going through a hard time where you know, emotional support might be valuable, they will return that favor and give you privacy in the exact time that you don't want privacy. You want somebody to give you emotional support. So... I feel like the INTJs that I've listened to here, they're, they're talking about this in this very matter-of-a-fact way. Just, this is just how we operate and, you know, deal with it. So in that video with Mel, she goes on to say that they will detach the emotion, sort of deal with all the facts and the realities of the situation, and then they will take that emotion and sort of box it up for later. And she actually goes on to say that she will schedule some time to cry about it or process those emotions later. So she'll be like, okay, next Thursday I have, you know, the afternoon off, so I'm going to sort of schedule my cry time for that. Which I think is incredibly, I mean, that, that's that literally, it sounds very strange to me, to be honest. I'm not sure really how, I, my, my emotions don't work like that. I can't say, you know what, I'm just gonna be completely objective here and then next Thursday I will deal with my emotions. When things overwhelm me, when things sort of overtake me, I have no choice but to deal with that right then. Like I, I don't even know what that is to schedule your emotional reaction until later. So that, that feels extremely foreign to me. But she goes on to say that if you are a healthy INTJ, you will then deal with those emotions and sort of clear that box out. So you've taken this emotion and you've filled the box. You will then deal with those things and clear it out. And maybe in that process, you do talk to other people and deal with those issues. And I think that's where uh, an emotionally intelligent INTJ, I think that has to happen. They will eventually 
let's say something happens, they don't want to talk about it right now, they don't want to talk about their emotions, but at some point they will open up a little bit and deal with that. I think an unhealthy INTJ, and she alludes to this in her video, they may never deal with those emotions because they're uncomfortable with it. So they, this would be like an INTJ with low emotional intelligence, let's say. They would take those feelings, they box them up, and then it's sort of like push them into cold storage. But the problem with that is, she says, that eventually there's almost like there's too much and the box will fill and then it starts to leak out. Or let's say the box explodes and now all the emotions come out. And in that case, you might see an INTJ have this odd, odd emotional outburst. It's like, here's this person who is often very stoic, not careful to not show emotion. And then all of a sudden, they're very emotional. So, so the point I'm trying to make is that there's a very obvious difference going on here between INFJs and INTJs. So moving on to the fourth function, INTJs and INFJs share the same fourth function, which is extroverted sensing. So extroverted sensing is, is interesting because when it's in the inferior spot, it can sometimes be a bit of a blind spot or something that we overlook. Um, if we pay attention to it, it's something we actually can use. Extroverted sensing in the inferior function is it's worried about giving other people good experiences. So both INFJ and INTJs will be worried about that. Are, are we giving people a good experience here? Are, are we doing a good job? So one way this kind of manifests is performance anxiety. So it sounds like INTJs actually might suffer a greater level of performance anxiety. And also, this might go along with INTJs, they're more likely to be socially awkward. And so the socially awkwardness comes from the lack of extroverted feeling. It's sort of like they, they can't read, it's, it's like going back to all this stuff, they're not interested and they're not really in tune with other people's feelings. And combined with the sort of the fear of not giving people good experiences, they might sort of end up in this socially awkward state where they don't really know how to act. They're not really reading the room properly. They're, they're confused almost on what they should be doing to make these people like them and give them a good experience. And INFJs might experience this as well. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we're not very good small talkers. So we get into these groups and we're like, oh, okay. It's almost like we have to force the small talk. But at least INFJs have this social antenna, I guess. The extroverted feeling kind of acts that way. It's sort of a thermometer to how everybody's feeling. So we can, we can feel more comfortable, like, oh, this person's obviously comfortable, so therefore we're, we are comfortable, and maybe I don't need to feel as socially awkward, whereas the INTJ might not have that. But the INTJ is going to also be very good at locking into what people are thinking. So an INTJ in a group dynamic like that, they're going to be much more comfortable sort of getting into a spirited debate. And being able to express their opinions and ideas without fear of, you know, making other people comfortable. Whereas an INFJ might be overly concerned with other people's comfort, so they might not express their opinions and ideas out of fear of offending somebody. So let me talk a little bit now about INFJ-INTJ relationships. I think if you have a healthy INFJ and a healthy INTJ, you can have an extremely healthy relationship. If you have an unhealthy INTJ and an unhealthy INFJ, I think there's gonna be some massive personality conflicts going on here, especially in this whole area of sharing feelings. An INFJ is gonna to want to hear the feelings of the INTJ. The INTJ is seeing those things as private, don't bug me about it. And then on the flip side, because the INTJ sees those things as private, they will now 
give the INFJ privacy on their own feelings, which is actually, I think, unhealthy for an INFJ. An INFJ needs people to want to talk about their feelings so they can extrovert their feelings and, and almost work through it. They don't have the introverted feeling the same way the INF, INTJ has. So working on your feelings quietly all by yourself as an INFJ might not be the best way to do it. So it seems to me that you end up with this massive problem. I think really what it takes for an INFJ and INTJ to have a healthy relationship, especially as a romantic relationship, is I think you would need an INTJ who is willing to open up. If they are unable to open up, then I don't think that it's a good idea. So even though it seems like INTJs are almost proud of the fact that they're able to detach their emotions from their thinking and kind of hold this, you know, in this internal space that they now deal with at a later date, that's not going to work for an INFJ. And I think if, if they have that attitude in a relationship with an INFJ, then I think that's going to be an unhealthy relationship. I don't think it's going to work. Maybe it would work with other personalities that also don't want to open up about their feelings. But then I, but then I have to wonder, you know, is that even going to be a good relationship? Because now neither party is really opening up with their feelings. I think this sort of goes back to my emotional intelligence video that I don't think that INTJs, personally, should use that as an excuse. This is my superpower, therefore I'm not going to work on it. I personally feel that emotional intelligence, one of the requirements is self-reflection, dealing with your own emotions, processing those emotions in a healthy way that helps you now act in a certain way and create healthy interpersonal relationships with other people. Also, part of emotional intelligence is recognizing emotion in other people. Anyway, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. If you have any questions about this or want to send me an audio question, feel free to do that or leave a comment below if you're an INTJ or an INFJ and you feel like maybe there's something I missed or something that maybe you agree with. And um, that's about it for today. Talk to you guys later.